God, we're, we're, this is a hot topic. So welcome back. Alex Fire, Martin Darcy, most unlistenable podcast in the world. And our guest, Gareth McKean. Welcome, Gareth. G'day, lads. How are you? How welcome. Are we? Welcome. Thanks very much for having me. We have our background guest, JFK Jr. in the background. Yep. Nice to have you back on. So, uh, Gareth McKean, it's so fucking good to finally get you on here. Well, you and I have spoken about it a few times now. We so have. We've finally done it. And um, it's good to be here on this beautiful balmy day in Perth during the Fringe Festival. So Fuck, it's hot today, isn't it? It is fucking hot. Yeah. yeah. It is uh, It's stifling out there. Yeah. So, but yeah. It, it's so weird to see you away from a gig, like out of the flannel and jeans. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like, like seeing a teacher out of school. Yeah, almost. <laughs> it's a similar vibe. Yeah. I only see you as like a comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you do ever see a teacher out of school, something's going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're supposed to just like live in the cleaning cupboard. Yeah. That, that's, that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. I do have. Uh, well, obviously, um, the comedy is just a uh, a side hustle hobby. But um, but yeah, no, I do. Your have, main hustle is like child. I do have a life out there. Yeah. What do you do for a job? Can you say? Well, I'm in sales, fellas. So I've been in the electrical industry for about. Well. You're a Sparky. I was a Sparky by trade. Same. I was fucking shit. Me too. So <laughs> I wasn't a good one. There's a lot of mums out there that are glad I didn't take on their sons as a, or daughters as a <laughs> So uh, Saved a lot of houses from getting burnt down. Saved a lot of houses from getting burnt. A lot of, uh, a lot of people having to give resus. Lots of, you know, I saved a lot of people's time. But, um, in a lot of ways, you're a hero. What's that? In a lot of ways, you're a hero because you've saved all yeah, these people's yeah, lives. Yeah, saving lives by putting the pliers away. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I mean, I ended up in the game, followed my dad, and um, I wasn't the, the brightest, I won't use the pun, but I, I will use it, I wasn't the brightest spark yeah. at school. So I led into that, and uh, ever since then I ended up just getting into the sales side of things and the managerial side. So I was managing um, middle management for about 25 years, so I got out of that two years ago, so no more. So, like, what do you sell now? So or- all the electrical equipment. So... All the gear, low voltage gear for Sparkies, you know, and that's whether that's what like as a ca- cable to light switches. Oh, so you so were like at an MMs range. or something, something like similar to an MMs. Right. So for twenty years, I was very similar to an MM. I oh. was with a company called Rexel. Rexel, so, I'm familiar with that name. Right. Yeah. So they were once GEC. So that was the wholesale side of things, and then I've ended up in a couple of suppliers. So uh, um, which and, and right now I'm in a distributor, which is. Uh, which is a good company, so and a pretty big company. And I was managing it for here in the West for about four years, and now I've stepped away, and now I'm repping out there on the road. Fuck yeah, living the dream. Living the dream. Living the dream. But yeah, no, it's it's, it's good. It's a good industry, and uh, it's you know I'm not going to knock anything like selling a house or selling a car, but it is it gets into a very technical space, so it's you know. Always changing. Maybe I could get into electrical sales. It's like I was a shit sparky. It's like it, it, it feels like the next logical step. Because yeah. at the moment you're in a warehouse. Mm. And I like the warehouse gig. It's cruisy. Where yeah. are you in a warehouse? I actually wasn't that bad of a sparky. I just couldn't be fucked in the last year of work because I was working for absolute cunts. But right. Okay. Yeah. So whereabouts are you warehousing? Uh, in Canning Vale at, uh, at Liquid Mix. So uh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, I like it there. It's a very cool gig. It's like, okay. it's like, it's fucking um, 10 to 12 hour days, Monday to Thursday. And then we usually have a Friday off or if we do work a Friday, we work a half day. So right. it's like, I get my 40 to 50 hours plus in, in four days and then I have a three day weekend. Right, good man. Which I'd way prefer. Yeah. yeah, right now I'd like to get into the four-day week at the moment. That would yeah. be something um, It's not on the cards just yet. Then so you can spend more time gonna... masturbating. and mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's still a craft I'm yet to <laughs> literally master. <laughs> I've, gave it a really, I've gave it a really good you go. You put in your 10,000 reps. Days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If I had an Apple Watch, it would be 10,000 10, reps rather than steps. That's Before like, 7 a.m. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm pretty prolific. Any... Um, having, a, having a field day. David, <laughs> David Caruso. You wouldn't need David Caruso from CSI to <laughs> recognise he's been a crime in my room. <laughs> for the last seven days. So, no, it's been good. So, uh, yeah. The meat you know. is raw. Mm. Pardon? The meat's feeling raw. It's raw. I mean, I'm, not, I'm, not, 
I'm not back to my personal best as a, as a young teenage boy. Well, you may never reach that peak again. I'd... I, I probably won't. I think you've heard me. I mean, I used to get a Playboy on a Monday. I think by, by Tuesday it had 27 sealed sections. I was pretty, <laughs> I was pretty, pretty prolific in, uh, in, my, uh, in my time. It's a lot easier for these young... I mean, we've got a 23-year-old son, so it's a lot easier for these uh, young fellas to, uh, you know, to, to get one off. I mean, porn is everywhere for them. But... Yeah. Have you ever caught him masturbating? I haven't. No, no, I, I, I haven't. I haven't. <laughs> You're not teaching him. Not the master's not teaching. No, no, no. Well, we, well, you remember the, the, the most sensitive part of your body when you're actually having a wank is the ears. Is the ears? Yeah. So it's, really? Uh, well, you're listening for your old man. Right. Okay. Way, so. I don't. I feel well. I mean, I suppose so. But like, I've lived out of home so long now. Yeah. It's just kind of not a problem anymore. Yeah. But I did get caught as a teenager wanking by once by my mum and once by my dad. Mm. And I tell you, I have never, I don't think. That didn't sound right. You got caught <laughs> wanking once by your mum and once by your dad. You were, you were actually doing the wanking. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. I was doing the wanking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just thinking it was, you know, the wanking was being done once by your mum. No, fuck <laughs> no. <laughs> And then one's waiting. 50 50, you know, 50 50. Good parenting. Yeah. Good parenting, yeah. One was working the shaft, one was working the balls. <laughs> right, uh, teaching him the ropes. Uh, <laughs> shooting out the ropes. But nothing fucking. I don't think, I don't think I've ever gotten softer quicker. Mm. But mm. it was the. It was the most terrifying experience of my life. Yeah. Getting caught. Wanking. We used to be embarrassed when you were younger. Your mates would say, oh, you're wanking, or you'd be embarrassed about it. And now, I mean, at the age of 53, you talk to your mate and go, oh, you know, you, do you want to get to the pub? It's like, yeah, or I'll just knock one off and then I'll... Um, <laughs> it's, just, it's just part of the vernacular, it's just part of the conversation. <laughs> yeah. So. But there you go. I just got to let, let it some steam off. There you go. So how long has the podcast been going for? I mean, I should ask a couple of questions myself. We've been doing it kind of on and off uh, just over a year. Yeah, yeah just had all kinds of guests on now. Yeah, yeah. Mostly it's comedians. Mostly comedians, a few rappers. A few rappers? A few rappers. Yeah. A few local rappers. Yeah, yeah. 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 No one's heard of them, yeah. obviously. But a couple of drag, no. yeah. a couple of drag queens and drag kings. Uh, way back in the day, I interviewed a prostitute. Found out what the sex game in Perth is like. And, okay. uh, Were you asking questions from the room next door? Or? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I paid her to be there. No, that was actually a cool episode. She was a cool. Another time you got caught wanking. This is great. We're back in the room. Yeah. <laughs> But no, like we've interviewed mainly comedians, but a, a couple okay. of people outside of that. Okay. I think we interviewed uh, we've interviewed a bunch of just strange people. We interviewed my mate Tyler, who's just a fucking great dude, but he's so strange. I want to inter- interview my mate Michael. He's like he's manic. He's like he's got the worst ADHD on the planet. He might be patient zero. Right. There's not enough medication in the world for him. Right, okay. It's like, it's to another fucking level. And he's just, he's like a fucking 10-year-old boy in a 34-year-old, six-foot-two, giant fucking body. And it's like, this is... It's a lot better than that's not the, <laughs> the other way around. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. way I grew up in the 70s. <laughs> 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 that's so... To brief our audience on it, it's like uh, I met uh, Gareth when he was emceeing at the Thirsty Capital Comedy Club at Bayswater Bowls. Shit. Like nearly, Christ, and it was nearly two years ago now. It was, yeah, nearly two years at ago. At least. Now. Yeah. Well, I've only been doing it for five this year. So. Yeah. And then that I met, was my second or third gig, that one. Okay. Yeah. And then I met you when I was 10 and you were 30. Yeah. That's it. Are you from Kalgoorlie too? <laughs> no. no, no, no. <laughs> so yes, I, got I do remember your, um, I do remember you there. I think you've reminded me. I think I gave you some, some advice. Or, you, you, you did. You, I think you brought it up there. Yeah. I didn't know whether to feel good or bad about, but I think I was trying to make you feel at ease. No, you were very nice. You okay. were very, you were very yeah, kind yeah. to me. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was like, and you've been very kind to me ever since, which is very well, nice for me because I'm a very, it's like, I think I'm a confident person. I deal with myself in like many interactions very well, but sometimes I get like, so, so I get so paranoid sometimes. Yeah, right. I think that's from, 
way too much drinking and drugs. Okay. But like sometimes I get very socially paranoid. Right. Okay. It's like, is, it's like is this person just being nice to me because they want something from me. Yeah. Then it's like when yeah. you when you gather that someone's an actual nice person Ooh. like yourself, yeah. it's like, oh no, this is actually just. He's actually well, I think it's easy out there. I mean, I think at the moment, I mean, probably being one of the older ones, I'm not the oldest, no offence to uh, Jeff Staten and Cookie, but the boys are out there, but um, <laughs> my good mates. But um, yeah, look, I think, um, I, I always say, why can't we all get along? I think there's, yeah, there's a reasonably good crew of people out in the comedy scene, and mm. I think there's just some that, I don't know, sort of maybe have a, a different objective or would rather see someone not do so well so yeah but uh, but yeah i think being nice is a good thing mm. it's good do you think uh like starting comedy a bit later like do you think that's killed a lot of the ego for you already it's like you've come in with like because it's like i'd imagine you've lived a full life mm. it's like you've done things you've achieved things you've failed at things it's like you come in with so much less to prove it's like you're just gonna give it a crack and you know see what happens whereas i feel like for myself and certainly a lot of the other i mean there's obviously a lot of chill young people in the perth comedy scene they're yeah. like really down-to-earth people but like there's a lot of egomaniacs too so it's like it, it's like what way do you push it? i feel like you must come in with just such a more level head than anyone else i do but i i, I certainly have never ever there's ego which I think can get out of control, but I will always be competitive. Yeah. So I think competition is healthy in comedy. If people could find that fine line between being egomaniacs and thinking their shit don't stink mm. and being competitive and healthy competition, mm. like there's a lot of people, you know, comedians that I've gone, oh God, I've got to go follow him or I've got to follow him. How am I going to do that? Mm. Whereas that's absolutely what you want to do. Mm. Like, you know, you look at other forms of art like you know break dancing or skateboarding or those sort of things and you see someone do a trick it's like ah oh, I've, oh, I've got to try and do that you know I, I, I want to follow that that's what you that's what you want to do so for me not so much the ego I'm very competitive mm. um, not to the point of win at all costs but I and that's the way I've taken on the comedy side of things where if I see someone do something well I sort of think right you got to step up and keep that momentum going mm. but yeah look there's an opportunity right now for, for myself personally for my own personal development that I've always wanted to do this mm. ever since I was you know I jumped up on stage you know as you know a five six year old in school plays and I was the center of attention and I've always been a major massive attention seeker like I'll take the oxygen out of a room, no sweat. <laughs> so I've always loved doing that and entertaining my mates and, you know, um, being, you know, um, larger than life as I can, I suppose. Um, mm. This is going to come across the wrong way, but I've often been definitely not by skill or, you know, everything that people are going to take this the wrong way. But Robin Williams is a very animated guy that's sort of all over the place and can't sit still and that. I probably have been and I guess that's probably ADHD and yeah. everything they diagnose yeah. now yeah. I've kind of you know so I love that attention side of things so right now there's an opportunity to really quell that and so yeah but I think the timing was actually all right it's it, I've just gone about it the different way mm. you know like I didn't I mean you know I got myself into a good position with family and the house and work and everything and now I can just get up and just take this on as an absolute passion and hobby. So, yeah, it's, um, it's good. But it's like, it, I don't know, I, I feel like coming into it like later, it must come with a whole heap of advantages. You've got so much more to talk about, you know. It's like you've got so much more to joke about. You've, you've experienced so much more. You have so many different perspectives, you know, if, yeah. you, if you come into it later. Yeah. And... Um, it's like, I feel like there's a lot of advantages with doing it later. I feel like there's a, probably a lot of advantages with doing it young too, but different advantages. You know, it's, I, I think the, there's advantages in both. There's advantages your way for sure. Oh, definitely. I mean, that, that, and, and that's, like you said, the experience of life. Um, I mean, it's very easy to do comedy, I find, mm. when you're not making it up. Yeah. Mm. Like it's very like it's hard to remember your lines, but if you're telling a story like about my millennial twins or about 
you know, my 30-year relationship with my wife, Meg, and, you know, and the funny things that have happened. You're just relaying a story. You know it's funny because you've done it in front of 20, 30 people at a barbecue. You just have to put some mayo on it, mm. embellish it a little. Mm. But the framework of the story it's is actually so. there. Mm. And it's interesting because an audience, I think, can sense when it comes from a place of truth. Mm. There's something, there's an totally. extra essence there. There's something, yeah, yeah. it's intangible. but it's, Yeah, it's relatable. I mean, it, it, it's... It, it's it's complete, yeah, get, making it relatable. Um, you know, I hear a lot of comedians sort of come out, and I, I really do mean that a lot, where they go, um, oh, I don't think this is my crowd. It's like, well, hang on a second, you haven't really, th- like, you know, and, oh, Gareth, this is more your crowd. It's like, oh, why is it mine? You know, b- because, you know, is it just an age thing or is it the fact that I've got experience, you know, stories to sort of tell about? because I've got millennial kids or because I've got, you know, 80-year-old parents and I've got all these, you know, everyone's sitting in the, in those different demographics. But, yeah, you're right. As far as, far as the stories and, um, yeah, they're true. I think that's a also... It, just, it's, it kind of makes it, you're right, that, 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 that experience. Yeah, makes a bit I easy. think that's a bit of a cop-out, though, saying it's like this isn't really my crowd because isn't, like, the whole art form of comedy being able to win people onto your side a little bit and then, like, get them to laugh, at, like, give them a new perspective and get them to laugh at it. It's like, it's like granted, there are... There, sure, there are some comedians who have a type of audience that's easier for them, but I don't think that should be an excuse. It's just, I think the whole art form, if you can call it an art form, is, like, winning people onto your side so that they want to laugh at your jokes. It's, like, endearing them to you. Yeah. And some... For some comedians, it's probably easier for them to win other audiences. But I still don't think it should be used as an excuse. Well, I, I, I use, unfortunately, um, quite a few sporting metaphors and that sort of stuff. But I've always looked at comedy right now as if you're going to play cricket, you've got to learn how to play on different wickets. Mm. Yeah, okay? right. yeah. So I think the fact is, is that the more you are flexible enough and at least going in confident, and certainly making sure that you're prepared to sort of go, okay, I've got a little bracket here, I've got a bracket here, I've got that covered and I've got that covered. If I go into any room, I can look around and go, right, I've got something for everybody or I'm going to have to spend a little bit more time on this area or this area or this area. So I think the thing is people that say that, oh, this isn't my room, just really haven't practised or prepared enough. Mm. Like this, what they should be saying is, ah, oh, this is a room I've got to get work out. Yeah. Mm. Like yeah. start on the front foot and sort of go, oh, this is a room I want to figure out tonight. Yeah. I've got I've got something here for this room. Like it's not a surprise attack or anything like that. Mm. But yes, I certainly um from the um from the experiences. The other thing that I've got up my sleeve as well is, you know, at my age and I mean I'm still I mean, I was just chatting, you know, on a group chat at the moment, because, you know, we're all hip now, but <laughs> On a group chat this morning with seven guys from grade eight, like 1984, we're uh-huh. all on our own chat now. Uh-huh. And we're talking exactly the same we were as, funnily enough, masturbating. But it's the same. <laughs> That's same, all same, you've same, ever yeah, 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 It's a very, <laughs> common, it's very common thread. But, um, and here we are chatting even today. You know, um, I've hung out with some of the funniest people you'll ever meet. You know, like, you know if, if my mates hear this over there, but, you know, Paul Triggs and Hazzy and my mate Hilly and Zide and those boys, you know, they're, I mean, fucking funny and the mm. wit and the speed and that sort of stuff. So when you're hanging around those people all mm. the time, what do they say? Yeah, you know, you, you lay down with dogs, you get fleas, you know. Yeah. So yeah, you're sort of with these, with these guys. And now I've gravitated to those same people today over here at my golf club. Incredibly fun. So... You're always honing your skills. So I've got always had a fantastic circle of mates, mm. a fantastic circle of very funny mates, mm. and like I would easily say a couple of them, maybe more, are actually funnier than me, but just don't want to do what we're doing. Yeah, isn't that ins- I've like funny? I, I was saying that to someone recently. It's incredible that the funniest people you always know are never in comedy. It's like my. So my one of the probably the second last site I worked at, Sino Iron Ore. One of my supervisors there was a guy named Chucky, mm. and I kid you not, he was the funniest man alive. Mm. He 
like walked into a room and said something one day and it was we were talking about the grand final and he brought up Petrarca who's uh, plays for Melbourne yeah yeah and uh, just like it's not even that funny of a premise so I probably can't I'm probably not doing him justice but we were talking about him mentioned Petrarca and he was just like Petrarca that fucking Greek god fuck don't you just want to sniff his jockstrap and just the way he said it I was yeah. literally laughing I was literally we- I-, I was literally weeping for about an hour and a half. Mm. My mate Sean on site at the time was like, stop fucking laughing. It wasn't mm. that funny. And I'm like, I know it's stupid, but it just got me. It just yeah, like yeah, fucking yeah. caught me totally off guard. Yeah. And like, he was one of the guys, like when he walked up, you started laughing because you knew he was about to say something. Yeah, yeah, shit. yeah, those guys. He didn't even need to say anything for you to start laughing. It's just, yeah, you can see the, the twinkle in his eye. He was like, he was going to start saying something. They're the guys shit. at a party and the party's all crowd and you can't yeah. find them and then somehow through 30 people you see their face and just, <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. a non-verbal gesture and they're just yeah. in the background with their stubby up against their chest. <laughs> and it's like, i got to get over there. I've got to work out what yeah. you're saying. And so that, so that... So that there is, you know, always being around comedy. But yeah. anyway, that's, I mean, right now it's, um, you know, uh, right now it's about learning, you know, being able, being able to be funny and being able to tell a joke. I've always been able to tell a joke mm. and, um, you know, again, get the timing with that and an accent on that and that sort of stuff. Really learning this right now, comedy, is quite fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. And I really do enjoy the process and accepting that the process um, can, you just have to be very patient. And, you know, what I'm, I guess I mean by that is everybody wants their five minutes and everybody wants their 10 minutes and then everyone wants their 20 or their 30. And sometimes you think, right, I've got five. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you actually tell the joke the way it's supposed to be told. And it's just gone from 45 seconds down to seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, ah, I'm, I'm going back. But you're not actually going backwards. Yeah. You're actually going forwards and you're learning how. To, and the hardest part, I think, of comedy is accepting the fact that you have to edit it. Yeah, trim the fat off of it. Trim the fat. Get rid of, you know, get rid of the words. And, you know, when you listen to... You know, script writers, they send in their first draft and it's just big red lines going through and then they hand you back, you know, 37, you know, pages out of the 110 that you sent them and go, right, keep going with that 37. And so that's the, that's, I think that's the real, that's the the fun part of working that out. And I've got quite a few jokes that I do now that used to take a lot longer longer, and now they're out the way Mm. and you think, it's so funny how long it can take on stage to experiment with before you get to it though. Like I was working on this one joke that I just I just couldn't I was trying to rip it out on stage because I knew that the idea of the premise was funny, but I just couldn't get to a punchline that I liked. Okay. And I tried it on stage for so long and then it just like then all of a sudden it clicked. And the thing that I really liked about the joke was is that initially the initial joke is quite shocking, but like then I like talk the audience through it, but then the punchline I land on is like so like it reverses it completely. Right. So it's like it doesn't even matter. But it was just like it took me so long to reach that. But it was right. so obvious there for the longest time. Yep. You know, a quick mention that it's like we were just talking about the people that we found so funny who aren't in comedy. JFK, I suppose, like, you're that person for Martin. Am I? Yeah. The, the, the funniest person that he knows who's not in comedy. Oh, yes. Yeah. Would you say that, Martin? I don't know. Now it's, now it's become awkward. Yeah. Why? You, I don't know. It's always weird when someone's like, oh, this guy's really funny. Isn't, that, isn't it always awkward when... Yeah. Yeah. You love this guy. You love this guy. He's the best. He's... Yeah, go on and tell us a joke. Yeah, yeah, then you're like, fuck. Yeah. I think that's what's nice about hanging out with dodgy people for so long. I've never, I've always been like, when I introduce, I do have some like really nice mates and great mates. I, all my mates are great, but like I have like different classes of mates. Like there's the nice ones 
And then there's the real dodgy ones. But then when I introduce the dodgy ones to people, I'm like, you're not going to like this guy. So you're going to be very uncomfortable around him. But he's a sweet dude, real down. You're just not going to like him upon initial contact. So I suppose it's nice going into something like that with like... uh, Sets the bar very low for them almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, it is, um, yeah, I, I certainly get the uncomfortable. I mean, that's, I think that's been the thing where if someone finds out you're doing comedy, the first thing they want is tell us a joke. Oh, they hate it. I, I, mean, I try to avoid that, telling that, anyone. That, that's right up there with the, the very, very best 15 levels above us all the way down to us. It's like we're not actually joke tellers, but... Yeah. I generally now, you know what, now I actually, I mean, I've, I've always got a joke, so it's like, oh, mm. and you end up telling it and the, normally the reaction is, huh? Oh, yeah. Mm. Do you have a favourite? Well, do, do you do that on stage? Mm. How does that go for you? Usually it gets an applause break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. How, how, what's your favourite dad joke? I often like dad jokes. I never use them on stage, but they they do make me laugh. Well, um, well, I do like um, my favourite dad joke ever was the, um, was the uh, the bear that went into the bar and the bartender says I can't serve you and he goes how come and he goes because you're a bear and he goes no I'm not and he goes you're clearly a bear and he goes I'm not and he goes I'm asking you one more time are you a bear and he goes no and the bartender says well what's with the long pause <laughs> I like that now that is. I've been carrying that one now since about 1978, so mm. I think I've told it, including you guys now, that would probably be the 10,000th we probably should celebrate. Mm. Do you think you've told But it? I like them. I like, I mean, Cookie, Phil does them, and, and Jeff Staten does them, and I like writing them. I've always liked writing a dad joke. I've written, again, heaps. And again, if I'm doing a certain club, if I'm doing a golf club or a bolo or I'm doing that sort of thing, I like to chuck a... A couple of those in, but I really like. I like writing. I guess they're not dad jokes. I just did a um, a uh, thing with um, Jasky and Tim, and oh, I'm going to forget his name, which I shouldn't. But a comedian that's just come out of actually did time in jail over there. Oh, I, I know Andrew, this boy. Yeah, um, oh, Andrew Hamilton. Andrew Hamilton. Yeah, thanks, because uh, he was a really, really lovely guy to catch up with. Anyway, I just went toe to toe with him in the mall. Um, doing dirty dad jokes, um, you know, to see you can make each other laugh. So with Jasky filming and that sort of stuff. So we tried to come up with some hard. Oh, that's a really funny series that they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I need I need to actually get into it, but I I I, I think it's similar to the um, not that they've taken any idea, but um, I've seen was it Will Farrell and Mark Warburg. Yeah. Mark Warburg. Yeah, that's what yeah, it is, yeah. isn't it? That's the premise of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But um. But yeah, so I like those just, I like those compact jokes, mm. um, but yeah. Yeah, you get a lot of bang for your buck out of them. People, mm. They're very accessible. Yeah. People, people like watching those because it's often they, they often watch it and they hear a joke where it's like, I'll use that later. I'll, I'll ask that question later. Well, you're straight away you're saying dad jokes. So yeah. what were you saying before about getting some sort of familiarity or... You know, it's almost like comfort food, mm. you know, a dad joke, like everyone from the, you know, the 20 year old daughter to the dad that's in the audience, the dad will be like, oh yeah, yeah, good on you, mate. Yeah, that's a beauty. That's what I would have told that one. And then there's the young girl there that's 20 sitting there going, oh God, my bloody dad would have said that. Yeah. So you've, you've captured a market. So as much as, you know, I think there, I, yeah, I, I think there's certainly a, uh, a place for them, but there's dad jokes and then there's one-liners. So I guess is there a is there a difference? Is there a difference between? I suppose it depends upon the one-liner. You know, so I, I think there are there are plenty of one-liners that are dad jokes, but not all mm. one-liners are dad jokes. You know, mm. yeah, lots well, rather, lots of dad jokes are one-liners. No, not one-liner what's his name? Gary jokes. Delaney. He does. He's mm. very funny with the you know with the one-liners. But yeah, I guess the dad joke. I mean, what is the, the recipe for a dad joke? I suppose there's a pun. It's mm. a pun. I think someone has to roll their eyes. Yeah. Oh, that, that's the outcome? Yeah. There's a, someone in the room has to... One, one person will laugh, one person right. will laugh. Yeah, one person will laugh. One yeah, I think you would have to, yeah, have to be... suicide. <laughs> I know there's rules for haiku um, poetry. 
Um, so there should be something out there for what the perfect... What is it, 535? I think it is 535 or something like that for yeah. haiku. I don't know. That was. See, I, th- I think it's... I, think it's I, I can't remember the last time I said haiku. I think it's the <laughs> syllables, like five syllables in the first line, three in the second, five in the last. I think that's it. I think you're right. Yeah. Because they, they made us write it. It's It's not words. Yeah. It's syllables. Yeah. They made us write it in high school for some reason. Right. Well, there should be a... Um, there should be a uh, what a dad joke actually looks like. Mm. The, the rule book of a perfect dad joke. Yeah, Phil Cook, I, I believe, writes. Who should write that? Because I feel like maybe oh, Phil Cook. Maybe Phil Cook. Maybe Phil Cook. Maybe. Well, it has to be a dad who's writing. Well, there's a the, recipe. The defi- defi- de- definition. The, yeah, the recipe. There's a recipe, and it's Phil Cook. So mm. that, oh. there's, we've gone multiple layers of dad joke here. Right, we've got the cook. <laughs> we've got the <laughs> chef. We've got the cook in there for the dad joke. I've been doing jokes lately on objectively getting older. It's like, I'm not old yet, I'm still a young guy. Yep. But like, I'm noticing things as I'm getting older. Like, people around me changing. And it's like, my brother, my eldest brother's turning 40 this year. Right. And uh, we're very, very close. And But it's so weird, this guy who, like, in my mind's eye, he's always been like a 21-year-old man. But now he's like, he's got a couple of grey hairs, he's got three kids, and he's turning 40. Mm. And it's like, it's so funny the angles you can pull from that. Like, the, the, the people in your life around you changing, mm. it's like there's comedy to be pulled from it. And mm. so I suppose you found a lot of humour in that, like, having lived as long a life as you've had. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, I, and, I, and I, look, I've, I mean, it's, you know, I, I, you've heard me joke about the um, the whole adoption thing. That's actually true. So there's a lot that, you know, as a, as a life, I, I sort of drawn on all of that, all of that stuff and sort of getting so it. Just here. tell the audience about that. You're... At six weeks of age, yeah. I was adopted. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I was... Adopted at six weeks to a to a, a lovely couple, and um, and then that couple um, we lived in a pub in Plymouth in England, and then that in um, a pub, yeah, we lived in a yeah we yeah, wow. the, the Butcher's Arms, and um, so I was in that pub, so it was a bit of a you know it was a lovely part of town, but you know, but they actually divorced, um, yeah. and uh, we had an Australian um, who was staying in our pub for bed and breakfast. And he fell in love with my mum, and I ended up out here in 1981. So there's a fair bit of story there, and family stayed in England, and we got out to here. So we got out to Queensland in 1981, and and then in 2004, I found my birth mother, and then in 2008, I found my birth father. So they both passed away now. But yeah, but yeah, so it's been it's been quite a quite an adventure um, yeah. I actually found my birth father through um, through Facebook um, through a, you know just through this agency and um, I spoke to him on the Sunday and he wasn't well so this was 2008 so I was whatever I was um, 37 something like that and uh, the next day the family rang me and said if you want to meet your dad you need to come now so I hopped on a plane on the Wednesday, met him on the Friday. I was the only child he'd had because he brought up four stepchildren. Oh. And I was in the hospital with him on the Sunday when he died. Fuck. Wow. Mm. Wow. So that was, uh, we got, um, we got uh, a total of 35 minutes together. Holy hell. None of us can actually work out the timing on how we caught up. But here's the thing. He was a stand-up comedian. No. Really? In England. He used to do like these, a lot of pommies out there will be listening to this, but there's there campsites, they're called Butlins Camps, and he used to be, wear a green coat, like a you know blazer, and he would do stand-up comedy. Some would do bingo, some would do whatever, but he did stand-up comedy. Did he tell you a, this on his deathbed? No, I found all this out. I found uh-huh. all this out. And you talk about a joke. When I came in to meet him, I walked into the... There were nurses, all doctors and nurses everywhere because they were like... 
this guy's going to die. His son's just walking into the fucking room. I had gloves on, mask on, everything. I'm walking in to meet him. And you'll love this. And this is true as I sit here. One of the nurses came in and took his urine bottle. And I looked at him and I went, she's taking the piss. <laughs> so we had a joke together. Maybe it's a dad joke. Maybe it's a one-liner. We had a joke together. Um, I wasn't doing any stand-up comedy then. I mean, like I said, I've only been doing it myself for four years. But then I found out more about his life. And if I ever want to see him, I can see him on a 1987 episode of Family Feud in England. Really? Really? And the guy who's compare at the time comes up to him and says, um, Barry, he re- I mean, this is it's cringe but you know it's what it is so he comes up to Barry and goes yeah you're a bit of a stand up comedian you've done a bit of comedy eh and he's like and he's brummy so he sounds from Birmingham from yeah, Brisbane, yeah, yeah. so he sounds like Ozzy Osbourne he's like oh you're right you know like I do this and he tells a joke on stage on, on, on TV and it's like um, um, he said uh, take my wife she has to wear a bra because hanging's been abolished <laughs> That's his opener. Now, I'm telling you, I watched that, and I've watched that a number of times just so I could sort of see him. And I can tell you now, you look at that joke and you think, wow, the apple hasn't fallen too far. (laughs) So I guess um, with that, um, you know, as you guys may or may not know, whether you've been in dysfunctional families, but there's nature and there's nurture. I met this guy for 35 minutes, and somewhere the DNA or somewhere between me and this guy, Barry, is comedy. Yeah. yeah. And I, we've never, we had 35 minutes together. I told one stupid joke about someone taking the piss. So, like, was we he are, able to talk to you for a bit? Yeah, so we got a bit of a chat. He actually started getting his energy back up. He was like, he couldn't believe I was there. Wow. He's like, I'm going to do five. I'm going <laughs> to do five. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it was just, it was obviously, you know, there's a lot to all of that. And I, you know, probably haven't given it the respect, but that's in a nutshell. But what I wanted to get to you on that was to sort of say that the DNA is actually there for Mm. that. Yeah, that's that nature part. That's that. And when I hear about him, um, very similar character in regards to that entertaining, being able to do multiple voices and funny and, you know, big baz and, you know, I mean, we're both the same height. And all both that terrible stuff. electricians. Yeah, he wasn't a spark. He wasn't a sparky. He he actually ran like um, at one stage he was running like four or five pubs in Torquay, England. So he was a publican. Right. So he spent a yeah he um was he, he was he was he was he was entertainment. He was in the, the running the pubs. Yeah. Was so. one of the pubs the one that you grew up in? No, it wasn't. Oh, okay. But yeah, so there's a but it wasn't far from that's where kind I, of wasn't far from where I was growing up. That's a really amazing story though. Mm. It's like that's an incredible mm. story. It's like mm. not many people can can say that. So like, did he? It's like oh, you're all good. Mm. Yeah. So like, did he even know you existed or? Yeah. He so he knew you existed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He just um. That's a picture of him when he was young. Oh, it's quite a good looking rooster. I see the resemblance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's how that that's how that sort of came. That, that that's how that sort of came through. When 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 we first found him, I was sitting in my lounge, and I sent a message to his stepdaughter, who I was just actually with last last November in Florida, and I said, oh, "I'm looking for somebody." And she came back with no shit. She said, "Are you sitting down?" And I've gone, yes, and we're sort of texting. And she sent a photograph through of him in 1971. And it's like they took it. I thought someone had done one of these things. And I'm just looking at it. And I've just shit myself, gone underneath the table, screamed out to Meg. Meg came out going, what's going on? She's got, like, we're both under it. She's like, oh, my fucking God. It's you. Yeah, it's it's kind of, that in particular photo is kind of bizarre and everyone that's seen it sort of gets a little freaked out by it. But anyway, yeah, he knew about me and and so right now, I guess, you know, I mean, I've, you know, I have my, you know, my dad, my stepfather, but my dad and I, we're best friends. He's in Queensland at the moment, but I certainly know my history of having, you know, all of these men either, you know, that have influenced or, 
you know, just the DNA and that sort of yeah. stuff, I suppose. But to find out that he was in the comedy was pretty pretty crazy. I suppose there's definitely something to be said for nature. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, isn't that that's so that's so strange. A lot. So, yeah. Because so is, is your stepdad a big personality, an entertainer? Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. I mean, he's a funny guy. I mean, we're best. You know, we're very very close. You know, we love each other greatly, and we've been together now. You know, since nineteen. 79 I suppose so you know we're very very close but yeah he's got a, a great sense of humor but he, he likes my humor and mm. has been encouraging in that but um but I, I, I there is a you know without getting too you know whatever wanky here there is a part of me doing this comedy as well where Barry always wanted to do this mm. like he did it like you know going to a, a camp yeah. site you know where 400 caravans were and it's like okay you know heads down number five you know but he was doing you know 10 minute sets and they were put and and look they would have been full of the in the 70s and 80s it would have been total dad jokes it would have just been those yeah. corny english jokes which i happen to love by the way growing up with all of those guys but um he never actually got up and did what we're doing mm. you know or you know he didn't do it in that in that setting in that setting yeah so there is a massive part of me that, um, you know, is fulfilling a little bit for both of us. And I think that's, that's just being you know, really honest. You grab the torch and, and yeah. you're forging Yeah, on. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a, you know, I mean, I'm doing it for me, but I'm also doing it. There's also a little bit of that. Yeah, there's a sentimental value to it. Sentimental, yeah. So yeah. every time I do that, so it's, so that sort of spurs you on as well. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of sweet, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's good. yeah, yeah. It's good. So it's like... Harkening back to the days when you first started comedy, mm-hmm. so, but you said you wanted to do this for a long time. So I can, I think I'm somewhat in a similar boat myself because I think I remember seeing, I've told this story on the pod before, but like I think I remember seeing a DVD of Billy Connolly when I was 11 or 12. Mm. And I thought to myself, that's the coolest thing ever. Mm. You know, it's like, it wasn't just the funniest thing I'd ever seen up until that point, but it was the coolest thing, like, I was like, ever. It's like that'd be the coolest thing to do to get up in front of loads of people and make all of them laugh. Mm. And he was just great. But like, when you've said you've been wanting to do this for a long time, and I can remember like when I was like, I was like, I seriously want to give this a try. You know, it's like I really want to have a crack at it because it'd been something I'd like wanted to do for a long time. Yep. I remember my first set. I think Martin was there for it. Actually, it was the first time we met. But I was visibly, my friend still has a video recording of it somewhere, but I was visibly shaking on stage. That's how nervous I was. Mm. It was so nerve wracking. But it's like, what, what were the thoughts going through your head when you thought, I want to give this a try, I want to do this, you know, and, and how did it carry on from there? Well, how it started, well, very quick, well, what I can tell you is, and I have no dramas, it's, it's literally only about, maybe 12 months now, like I, like I said, I'm coming out to my fifth year of doing it, but it's only 12 months that I haven't been throwing up before I go up on stage. Really? Yeah, Jimmy and Tim will tell you. I mean, I just run off. I, I can't eat before. I couldn't drink before. I would get, you know. And then as soon as once I'd done all that, um, then I was okay. I could get up there. And, you know, that's pretty common. I mean, I'm not going to, mm. you know, you, I read a lot of autobiographies and, there's a lot of names, people that are like that. I mean, once you get the first word out, I'm cool, but it's just the... The initial thing. It's the anticipation. It's, it's the anticipation. It's the nervousness. And, I mean, there's natural anxiety flowing through me, um, you know. Um, but, yeah, my, my... I mean, I sort of fell into it. I, I had actually done it a couple of times with the Triple J Raw Comedy. I did it in Queensland in 2003. Got up there drunk in front of all my mates, table of 20 told some jokes, a few Rodney Rude things, and sort of, right, scratch that itch, and then I sort of thought, oh, I really like that. I had no idea, no idea there was anything called open mic. I would have done this years and years and years ago. Mm. I didn't even know open mic existed. Mm. No idea. I didn't know that, like, there was a, 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 a comedy karaoke thing. I just didn't know. And look, I obviously didn't research or go in and look for it. I just thought these Triple J raw comedy things came up and once a year and that was your chance to have a go. I didn't know there were hubs. Which would be insane. Which would be insane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just wasn't even on this, you know. And obviously I had other things, you know, with the children just being, you know. 
But I was the social director up at the Joondal Up Golf Club and I organised a comedy night up there and Nick Hunter and Tim Kershaw came up and Tim was the MC and Nick Hunter was running it and um, I organised it and they said, um, is there anything else you need? And I said, oh, I'll take five minutes. And Nick Hunter said, oh, do you want to have a go? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. I said, yeah, it's my club and I think, you know, I, can, I, I get them laughing or I'm emceeing for them at their... So I went up, did five, took seven, finished on ten, <laughs> had the room lit, walked off. Tim looks at me and goes, how long have you been doing this? And Nick Hunter goes, who the, you know, one yeah. of those sort of moments, like, who are you? What, what, yeah. what, what have you done? And they said, oh, how long have you been doing comedy? And I said, ten minutes. And they said, well, we have open mic nights. And I didn't know, and that's that. Right. So I was down, where are they? Good people to meet to start with, good Tim Kershaw and Nick Hunter. Good, good, good people to meet. They're still great friends, obviously, mm. Tim and I. And, and then from there, it was like, oh, there's, you know, well, it wasn't the um, Bayswater. It was Zig's room, which was the Flying Camel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which was, sorry, which was at um, the Bassendine. And then there was a couple of other ones and I, you know, and a few people helped me out. And then I just, that was it. I just got the bug and just couldn't stop writing. And it's such a, it's such a weirdly, when you get like a good string of shows, I suppose it's because the pursuing comedy, it's such a war of attrition between doing badly, getting better, pursuing it. It's, it's a real fucking back and forth. But it's like there is nothing more fucking addictive when you get like a good string of shows. You just want to keep doing it. It's like, fuck, just get me up there every time. But like there's nothing that kills your enthusiasm for getting up there than bombing. But it's like you've got to do it because it's like if you can't get back on the stage after after doing badly, it's like you're probably not cut out for it to a certain extent. Yeah, well, you get um, comedy calluses. Yeah. I think it's good for – it's it's good. I'm, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen anybody bomb from zero to five minutes. I mean, they've got a giggle in there somewhere. They've got yeah. something out of it. I yeah. Mean, people come up and go, oh, God, I fucking bombed. It's like, well, okay. I'm always the glass half full guy. So I yeah. always see, you know, bombing is in learning. Yeah. Like, what did, what did, you, did you get anything out of that? Yeah. Surely you got something out of that. Mm. I mean, if you're just walking up going, I bombed, I'm going to put a line through it. Instead of sitting down for five seconds and going, well, why did it bomb? Well, why was that? Went and then certainly, stage. as we said about you know forty minutes ago, I just wasn't my crowd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, no, I got to tell you, it was. Yeah, yeah but if was. you get up on stage and just like yell a racial slur or something. So yeah, so I think at the moment, I think that's probably the opportunity for more people to be more experimental and be braver. You know, there's a lot of guys still doing, and good luck to them, guys and girls still doing exactly the same thing. And I I sort of wonder what their motive is for getting up there, just that little bit. I need an injection of look at me. Yeah. Rather than, you know, I really want to... Try something new. I want to try something new. I want to test something. And I could never... I mean, I've got gags, which I know I got really good laughs three or four years ago, I don't even do them anymore. I mean, I, I'm, whether that might be the age thing where I haven't got time to do jokes, you know, 20, 30, 40 times. I mean, I do get bored and that is probably the ADHD as they diagnose it. I've got to, I just can't wait to try something new as Me, often as yeah, I can. I, I, it's like, it's frustrating because it's like there are some places I know I need to go in and it's like, right, I actually want to impress someone here. Mm. But like the thrill of trying a new joke and it going well or like using the same joke over a couple of times because you're refining it. It's like refining new jokes, trying new jokes. It's like, it's like for me, it's the fucking my favorite part of it, you know. It's oh, look, like, I, I just had, I mean, I, I drove home last night. I did the dark comedy last night and um, I mean, I've got that tonight, but I did a... Um, a new bit, I think. When did I see you boys? That uh, was last week. Friday, yeah. Okay, well, I did a new... I, I was Great spot, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. I was having a bit of fun last night. I can tell you, I came out freaking... I think, I think you had the hottest set of the night. I came out, I well, 
Well, thanks. And then that's saying something because there was a lot of fucking good comics on that night too. Yeah. And I'll agree with him. It was like you were probably the hottest one there and there were a fuck ton of good ones. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Last night I had probably one of the best five to seven minutes. I think it was six minutes that I've had. And the fact that I landed a brand new bit last night and the, the, to get the audience to, to laugh, I mean, I got a, a chock, that's great. But in the wings, I got my mates like Frankie, mm-hmm. Pacello, Dalen. These guys are in there losing their shit mm-hmm. behind the curtain there. You know where I'm talking? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. that to that's me so is when your peers, who I think all of those guys are very, very funny. I mean, Pacello has just come such a long way at the moment. I'm really proud of his comedy. But when you hear those guys in the wings cackling, yeah. that's a really... Good feeling. Oh, that's a great feeling when your peers are. Yeah. Because comedian, we're not all really laughing because we see each other so often. It's like, ah... Oh, we're doing each other's lines. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I kind of, even when I was with, the, you know, not even when I was with, but with the flannel panel there, I always had a gag for Jimmy and Tim. Mm. I, I didn't want them just to hear my set. You know, we've done whatever we've done, 60, 70 gigs together now, but I never wanted, I always tried to write something and to hear one of them yeah. cackle somewhere. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? That was... Yeah, all yeah. that. You know, sort of. So that's yeah. It's such a. It's, that's the, that's going back to that skateboard thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like it is such a showing weird someone thing. a new trick. It yeah. is such a weird thing when you get a joke that simultaneously makes the comedians and the audiences and the audience laugh. Yeah. Because it's like, oftentimes the only times you hear comedians laugh is when you're bombing your ass off. And yeah. It's like, yeah. But when you got the audience laughing and then you're hearing the comics laugh, it's like, oh, this is. Really good. You yeah, know? you got a mate in the back of the room going. Yeah. Timber. But that's good. But that's the sadistic part of you know. That's the thick skin that I think more comedians in Perth need to have for starters. Yeah. Like we should be at it. Like, hey, good set. <laughs> you know, yeah, we should be sure. able to, should be able to take. But then there's the genuine, like when you know. You know, and I appreciate what you're saying, but walking off the other day and seeing you two boys and a nice fist bump and, yeah. hey, that was, you know, the genuineness of a nod and a wink, like, hey, that was that was, that was, that was good fun. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You know, I was sitting here thinking, fuck, I've got to sit through all my comedic mates and they're all fucking been doing this. And all of a sudden, hey, you actually made that, you know, that that's a good thing for each other to do that. But all, I'd also like to see more comedians not be so guarded. No, I want to work it out for myself. I want to work it out for myself. And it's like, I mean, you and I sat there, God, I I know time flies, but I'll take a guess, maybe three months ago or something, you and I were sitting at ECC, you know, which, you know, shout out to Xavier there. He's running some, he's got some rooms going at the moment. He's got about 70,000 rooms at the moment. He's doing, yeah, yeah. I actually sent him a really bad gag. I said, you've got your own cartel out there, you know. (laughs) You were like Pablo Escobar. Escobar. (laughs) Bad joke, please don't cut that out. <laughs> but anyway, he's running some amazing rooms. But you and I were sitting there riffing on your... I, I can see the gag. It was... Um, the, the, um, hey, it, like you, the interracial, like your part this, part that. You've got a, a gag about the... I don't know, you might be thinking of another Asian. No, 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 no. I'm just trying to think of one of your gags. I know you all look the same, but... <laughs> yeah. But we were we were riffing on one of your gags and, and, and it was enjoyable to sort yeah, of... Yeah, absolutely. N- not to... I mean, no one's gonna, no comedian's going to sit there and go, I gave him that tagline. That would be no. the biggest arsehole in the world. Yeah. But sitting down with someone, I mean, I've, I've got a couple of taglines, at least three, where sitting in the room and, you know, I mean, Sean Conway gave me one of my best, you know, just one night there. He goes, hey, you know what you should do? You should do that. And I'm like, yep, I'm doing it. And, yeah, you know, it's, it finishes, It actually, the, the actual line finishes a 20, 30-minute set. So it's not a bad gift for someone yeah. to give well, you such a good like line. an audience member might yell something out and it ends up being a great tag. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. I, I gave Absolutely. a, yeah. I said, I told a comedian recently, it was Steve Tayuno. Um, shout out, Steve. I was like... It's like, have you, I was like, have you thought about adding this to your set? 
Was it Steve Turner? Turner. It was some. It oh, was no. someone. I think it was Steve. Is that how you pronounce his name? It's spelled funny. Turner. Turner. Uh, um, and the, uh, Steve from the uh, Three Bearded Guys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. T U E. T E U N E. Something like that. Yeah. 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 He's a great guy. Mm. And uh, but I was like, and he, then he used. I saw him use it on a set, and it worked really well for him. And I was like, it's like. But then other people are giving me taglines and it's this really fun, like, turnabout way of, like, helping each other out in comedy. Yeah. It's like there's some people in comedy that, like, because you know they're great guys, it's like you really want to see them succeed. And, like, I agree with the whole thing with Chris Pachullo lately. It's like, fuck, it feels like he cannot have a bad set lately. He just nails it every single time lately. Mm, He's mm. so great. But that show that you guys have been doing at the Rubik's Bar, it's like that's such... I feel like that's such a great marketed show because it's like he's doing well that guy there was 60 <sighs> he had 60 to 70 last night again mm. yeah every night it's he's got to be making a killing so he's and he's got he, he's got such a fuck me that last Friday night I was there it felt like excuse me every comedian was hot yep Every comedian was fucking great. We'll wrap soon. We'll wrap soon. You're yeah. fine. Shall we go in? Well, we're at 55 now. We generally wrap up about an hour. Shall we go into plugging anything? Like anything you guys want to plug? No, I haven't got anything. I mean, anything to plug. I mean, I'm, I'm back in there at that Rubik's and I've got a, I'm just about to host a, um, a 10 past six show for um, the same room for a Didier there. So we've got... Um, Got that one, and um, I've got about 20, speaking of Sparkies, there's um, about 25 to 30 electricians that are going to be in there. They're on a, a piss-up, so one of my customers said, are you performing in the city? And I'm like... What contractor are they? Do you know the contractor? Oh, there's 25 different ones. Oh. So, so, so from, from a wholesaler. So they're having, with, with one of the suppliers, so they're on the piss right now. And I said to Aditya, I said, listen, I can sell you... Um, I can sell you 25, 30 tickets. I said, I might need to, they want to know if I'm going to be there. He goes, yeah, absolutely. And so, of course, and that's the way you do business. So going in there at 10 past six, so these boys could be lit. So, um, but um, that's the um, Boats and Bogans one. So Chris Franklin is on um, as well, so, so which good. is fantastic. Yeah. So that should be, so they're going to have a lot of fun there. And then, um, yeah, got the, the dark, I think it's the final dark comedy. When does Fringe finish? It must finish next week, huh? Uh, must be I, just about must be yeah it's either this about, week or there will be one cooked. next week but that would be it mm. yeah I'm not I think it is next week because I know we've got shows this coming Wednesday Friday and Sunday okay so we just had uh, yeah cool no anything you want to plug Martin? no no <laughs> no <laughs> um, we've got stand up slouches every uh, we've got our final fringe shows when will this come out? Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday coming. And then we'll be reopening, we'll be again reopening the open mic at uh, Kuala Lumpur Cocktail uh, Cafe on the 20th of Feb in Leaderville. Uh, really great venue. It's actually, we've had it at three different venues now. This is my favorite venue. Okay. The, the, the layout of it is fucking perfect. Every Tuesday night, uh, we're doing it there and but also keep on the lookout because I might be opening a new mic soon hopefully okay I won't say what it is yet because it's still I won't promise anything but I think we'll get it okay and we'll have a really cool new open mic maybe on a Sunday night or maybe a midweek night right. uh, at a place in Northbridge okay I think, I think you'll like it a lot oh, so good luck. yeah so uh, is in a good space for open mics right now there's so many yeah you've got are you reopening yours back up on James Street uh, after Fringe I'll consider it please do please do it or you can help me run this new open mic it's at a really cool venue I got a really cool idea for the show too yeah why not there's like a bit of room for audience interaction the stage the front of the stage has very thin chicken wire right so I thought if at the end of a fucking comedian set I'm gonna put like little buckets of scrunched up paper uh, in the like audience. Like the Blues set. Brothers. Yeah. Yeah, like the Blues Brothers. And if the fucking audience is, isn't yeah. liking the fucking show yeah. at the end of the set, they can start throwing shit at the cave. Yeah. It's not going to hit the comedian anyway, so I thought it'd be a pretty funny gag. Yeah. So, yeah. Paper only. 
paper. Yeah, I'll be short on a brick. Yeah, I was like, I was like, hey, please, paper only. <laughs> you just get some piss cunt just like to throw it away. Wrapped in paper. We're, <laughs> we're taking bombing to a whole new level. <laughs> it's it's nice this, fucking, this fucking comedian just sucking his thumb in the corner in a pile of his own shit. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. Come on now. Like every Tuesday. Yeah, you'll be hurt. Uh, fuck yeah. Well, huge thank you to Gareth McKeon. It's been so cool getting you on, man. You've had some wicked stories to tell. It's been so good getting you on comedy. Nice to be Thank a you so of much. This, uh, Best of like for the rest of Fringe yep. it's like you've been fucking nailing it I love all of your spots and uh, yeah I don't think I've ever seen you have a bad spot well you haven't been seeing enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, maybe not but anyway good uh, on you lads I really appreciate the fact to be on this platform and uh, keep keep going thank good. you thank you awesome. so good to have it here thanks so much alright bye bye <laughs>